Swamiji, what is a mantra? A mantra, in a sense, you can say that any word repetition is a mantra. The highest mantra is Om. Om doesn't sound like Om, but in fact, it's a sound that helps to put you in tune with that. So certain mantras help to overcome because we are a part of sound. When you can pronounce a mantra correctly, then um, you can achieve certain effects. That's why music is so important. And I often I say to people, don't listen to rock music. It's a lower chakra music. It's lower centers in the spine. It brings your mind downward. Music that helps to uplift your mind. It's a very important thing. We, in a sense, you might say, are composed of vibration. We're composed of sound. There is one um, story of a man who wanted to destroy an enemy. And in the Indian scriptures, believe it or not, there are mantras for doing everything. The reasoning being that if you can understand that the power is not your own egos, then you may be able to raise your conscience beyond this. But there's a mantra even for destroying your enemies. And uh, in a higher age, they use mantras, sort of like bombs. They send this mantra out, and uh, with that they destroy people. Somebody used a mantra to destroy an enemy, but he said it wrong and destroyed himself. So there, it's a tricky thing. But this is why Buddha, and he came in Kali Yuga, and it was important to get away from that. You know, there is such a thing as black magic. Egypt fell because of that. I think the whole African continent fell because of black magic. In the early years of Egypt, when they built the pyramids, they were able by sound to move those stones. It wasn't slave labor. It would be ridiculous to build the long ramp it would take to bring those stones up, and then you have to keep raising the ramp. And then they have to put those rocks in from above. Human beings could not do that, but they could do it. And those, this, you couldn't even get a blade between those rocks. They're so carefully placed. It was with a higher science than we have today. And with that sound vibration, they were able to put them into their proper slot and create those pyramids. And the pyramids themselves, you know, outside the city of Rome, there is a pyramid. It's, of course, much smaller than the pyramid at, uh, in Egypt. But uh, it's covered with white limestone. That was what covered the pyramid in Egypt, too. Then they built the city of Cairo with that limestone and stripped it. Now it just looked like a pile of of stones. But originally it was a very shiny thing that shone its light out into the desert. In fact, I believe that its purpose was to, you know, a pyramid has been found to augment energy. They put a razor in the side of a pyramid shape and the blade will become sharper. So in this, they were able to meditate in the king's chamber, for example. I've been there. And uh, there, the, the thing is carved out of stone. It's not several pieces put together. It's one hollowed out stone. There's no evidence of uh, saws or anything that did that. There's, they've never found, a, there's no 
lid to that sarcophagus. It's not a sarcophagus. They've never found a corpse. They've never found offerings. They've never found anything, except I think a dead mouse or something. <laughs> and uh, what what it was was these saints, these priests would lie there in this pyramid, and they would go breathless, and they would send out blessings to the whole world. And the pyramid, another thing that's very interesting, is that uh, I don't, I can't justify this logically, but I've read it again and again, that it is exact, physically, the geological center of this world. How they can figure that out, I honestly don't know, but that's what I've read. At any rate, this was built there in order to be a blessing to the world. Well, that ability, they began to lose. And finally, they used it just for magic. And finally, they turned it, as the age became darker and darker, they turned it to black magic. So Buddha saw this tendency, and he said to get rid of the karmakand, which is to say, that aspect of the Vedas which teaches you doing certain things, and then you get certain blessings and so on. And he said, perfect your own character. But... Uh, in higher ages, they know much more and he could teach much more. Even as now we can teach yoga, which in those days they could not. So, um, with the uh, advance of mankind today, they're coming more and more to understand this power of sound. In a mantra, for instance, the Gayatri mantra is the main mantra of the Vedas. And... The mantra, I was taught it by a, by a Brahmin in Delhi many years ago. Om Bhur Bhuvaha Swaha Om Datsavitar Varaniyam Bhargo Devasya Dhimahi Dhiyo Yonaha Prachodayat Om and if you say that with concentration and with power, it helps to raise your vibrations. This is why it's called the main mantra of the Vedas. And then they have other mantras. The mantra of the Srimad Bhagavatam is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. And these sounds have a beneficial effect on the nervous system. Um, there's a mantra that they teach for getting rid of delusion. And its literal meaning is not uh, particularly meaningful, but the power of it is, Om Triyambakam Yajamahe Sagandim Pushtivaranam Urvarukam Evabandhanam Mrityor Mokshiyam Amritat Swaha And this has that power, to get rid of obstacles, to get rid of difficulties in yourself. So this is mandra. So it's not so much that the <laughs> words have particular meanings or that the whole it's sound the power of the sounds. sounds. Uh-huh. Yes. Does that also mean that we should be careful what words we say? Well, we should indeed. And especially if you say them with meaning. Never say such things as God damn you or something. Actually, any negative energy you send out comes back to you. Any energy that you put out, this is the law of karma. It comes from your center, it has to go back to your center. And so any harm that you do 
comes back to you. It's not as if there was some judge up there saying, you did this, therefore you have to do that. You attract it because you did put out that kind of energy. Therefore, it's very important to speak the truth always, to speak kindly always, to have love when you speak, the way you speak. Some people will say, I love you, meaning I hate you. <laughs> that vibration of hatred is much more powerful than just those words which are sarcastic. So speak with meaning. It's very important to speak the truth always. And uh, the truth is different from facts. For example, if you're dying in a hospital and some, somebody comes to you and says, gosh, I've never seen you look so terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the truth. That's a fact. But it's not the higher truth. The higher truth is that you can't look horrible. You're a part of God. So when you see somebody who's ill, try to encourage him. And you can say that you're speaking the truth if you say, well, I've seen you look better, but you can get well. I know you can get well. You can talk like that, and words alone, with the mental power behind them, can change you. Now, can you make the same power out of a, a disc on a, a DVD or something? I don't think so. There can be some power in that kind of sound, but it has to have the mental power behind it which I don't think can come very strongly onto a disc. And yet, when I listen to myself singing, I do feel a certain vibration there in the recording. So it's not as if it were completely absent. Are affirmations important? They're very important. If you are ill, never say, oh, I'm so ill today. Say, I'm well. Say, I affirmations, you can change yourself by affirmation. I know in Mexico, I was 19 years old, I didn't know anything about these teachings, but I got streptococcus, tonsillitis, and dysentery, and the doctor put me in the hospital. For three days, I wasn't even well enough to go see him. And to go to the bathroom, I had to lean against the wall and inch my way. And uh, when I finally went and saw him, he said, I've got to get you in the hospital immediately. I said, how long will I have to be here? He said, at least two weeks. Mm. And I asked how much it would cost discreetly, and somebody told me I didn't have nearly that kind of money. Well, I could have gotten it from home, but I didn't want to bother people. So I said, I've got to become well. And by my sheer determination to be well, I was out of there in two, two days. Mm. And I was stupid enough. The first thing I did was go out and have a Ramos gin fizz <laughs> and a banana split. But anyway, I guess youth can handle many things. But anyway, um, my determination to become well, in a sense I said, I am well. And had I said it, I probably would have had the same power. But it does help to say what you can do. Put it in words. I found that... that uh, when I was studying Greek, and I said, I'm a Greek. You've read that story in my life story, The New Path. And somehow I put myself in tune with the Greek. And I, there were only two people who passed that exam. I was one of them. But uh, affirmation can accomplish a great deal. If you want to be successful, therefore, mix with successful people, with people who are successful in the field in which you are trying to succeed. If you want to be an artist, mix with good artists. Don't mix 
<coughs> don't mix with dilettantes. If you want to be a successful businessman, mix with businessmen who are successful. Their vibration, their magnetism will help to raise you. So affirmation and exchange of magnetism, all these things come in. But your vibrations are the most important thing. So always affirm positively what you want to be, say that you can. I know I wanted to give up smoking when I decided to seek God. And I thought, who ever heard of a hermit who smokes? So it wasn't easy. I would give it up by lunchtime with coffee. I'd remember how good that cigarette tasted and I'd go back to it. But I never said I failed. This was my saving grace. I always said, I have not yet succeeded. And so it was always a potential, an affirmation of potential success. After a year, I was able to give it up and never even think about it again. So always affirm success.